Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My very special guest this week is a gentleman by the name of Don Gilmore from Toronto, Canada. Don is the author of To the River, which won a Governor General's Award for nonfiction. He is the author of three novels, Long Change, Mount Pleasant, and Canada. He is also the author of a two-volume history of Canada, Canada, a people's history, and has written nine books for children, two of which were nominated for a Governor General's Award. He was a senior editor at Walrus Magazine, and his journalism has appeared in Rolling Stone, GQ, Walrus, Saturday Night, Toronto Lives, and The Globe and Mail, and The Toronto Star. He has won 12 National Magazine Awards and numerous other honors. Don, welcome to the podcast, and congratulations on your, your latest book, Carlo Ritchie. Oh, thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy. You're busy with your quill, and so <laughs> thanks for spending the time with us uh, today. Greatly appreciated. Your, your latest book, it, it, when Harold Ritchie died in 1933, Time Magazine called him the world's greatest salesman. Is that true? What made him the world's greatest salesman, Don? Well, I think it was true. And I think, you know, what made him the world's greatest salesman was the fact that he was selling to the whole world, which was um, really kind of unique, especially when he started this, you know, kind of turn of the century, turn of the 20th century. Um, and he, he was a kid who grew up in like the middle of nowhere. He grew up in Manitoulin Island, which is you know, five hours north of Toronto and very remote in a village of, you know, 150 people. And yet he had this global sense and he, he ended up with a, you know, by the time he was in his thirties, he had a, a sales network that extended, you know, it was Australia, uh, Central America, South America, U.S., Europe, and uh, literally no one else had a sales network as extensive as what he had set up. So I think I think it was probably true that he was the world's greatest. Amazing. So a, a network, a global network, and this is way before the internet or, you know, any of the online tools we all enjoy and thrive in today. Uh, just totally amazing uh, uh, sense of globalness at that, at that point in, in our you know, world history back in the 20s and 30s, as you say. Now, what was the turning point, do you think, Don, in his career as a salesperson? Well, I think, you know, one of the, I think the main turning point and the earliest turning point, he was, I think he was 24 years old and he took the, I think it was like the Queen Mary or some big ship across to London, England. And he went to pitch the JC Eno company, you know, Eno's Fruit Salts, which was a huge company 
back then and still and has survived to this day. Um, but he went there and he wanted to sell their product in Canada and then hopefully in the States. And, um, and they wouldn't uh, give him an audience. He couldn't get in to see anybody. So he ended up, you know, taking the boat back home. And this would be, you know, like a long, very expensive journey uh, in, you know, this is 1905, I think. And, um, but he went back the following year and this, and this time he said, listen, if, if I don't double your sales in Canada, you don't have to pay my commission. And so they said, well, you know, why not? We'll give the kid a shot. And he quadrupled their sales. And uh, that kind of led to uh, this connection with England and Europe. And that, I think, started his whole sort of global sensibility. Amazing. I mean, th- there's a lesson to listeners in, in, in uh, the gift of persistence. So he just wouldn't take no for an answer. And he tried again. And he took a big risk. He said, look, don't pay me if I can't double it. And he quadrupled it. That's amazing. What, uh, what a lesson we could all learn from that, folks. Uh, persistence does pay. Absolutely. But what do you think separated him from the other salespeople of the day, do you think? Well, I think one of the things that separated him was this idea that uh, there was all these markets that were either weren't being served or were being underserved. And, you know, he started off as a salesman in Canada and he would go on these trips leaving from Toronto. You'd go out west and he realized there was, you know, the people in Winnipeg and Regina and Vancouver were all getting lots of salespeople dropped by. But once you got to the smaller towns and smaller cities, they were really underserviced. And he sort of applied that to the world and thought, you know, is anyone selling Eno's fruit salts to Ecuador? And uh, so he, I think the idea that you could go farther afield and a lot of people, I think, still had a very parochial mentality. And, and Britain, which was still very much an empire at that point, they were really focused on selling to their own colonies, of which, of course, there was lots of. It was a huge market. But they thought, why bother with, you know, South America and Africa? And, you know, we don't need those people and the rest of Europe, for that matter. Um, and I think he, uh, you know, he realized that there was money to be made elsewhere amazing i mean there's some marketing knowledge there look at the untapped markets the markets that aren't being served they might be small but when there's enough of them that adds up in a hurry so uh very very entrepreneurial of uh certainly of mr richie um richie was the world's greatest uh salesperson and and one of canada's richest men and entirely self-made you've got to admire that why hasn't anyone really ever heard of him don well, you know, I think one of the reasons was, you know, back then in Toronto, there was a real kind of um, the business class and the political class were essentially one group, you know, and they tended to be, um, you know, they knew each other. They went to the same schools. It was a bit like it was in the, you know, Eastern Seaboard in the U.S. back then. It was very clubby. And he was this, you know, he was essentially a kind of a hick from the middle of nowhere. And, um, and he didn't really want to break into Toronto society, which uh, I think was interesting, you know. So that was one thing. So you never saw him in, the, you know, the society pages or anything in the uh, newspapers of the day. But also, you know, he had this belief that the the guy who ran the company had to see every territory himself physically. And so he actually flew 
you know, starting, I guess, in 28 when there was the first commercial airlines, but initially he was taking the, you know, the boat to Australia and New Zealand, but he went to all those markets on his own. So he was often gone, you know, like 280 days a year. And so he really wasn't in town much. And he was this kind of invisible presence, but he, um, he, you know, there was only a few people that had more money than he did at the time. Just remarkable. I mean, there's a lesson for our listeners. Go see your customers. They buy things when you show up, especially in the case of Mr. Ritchie's uh, case. He got on a boat, and that would have taken – it's not like we can fly to – like back then, you weren't flying to your customers. You were you were taking boats and trains and, you know, all of those things. So the 280 days on the road, that's a sacrifice. So he really invested in the relationship is, is, is a sense I get. Uh, for, from listening to you on that one, Don. So Richie died yeah. at the age of 52, and that's a, that's a young man still. And in his obituary, the New York Times said he was on the cusp of some vaster enterprise. What was it? What do you think that was, Don? Well, I think what it was was he was on the verge of essentially being part of the pharmaceutical empires that were just starting out at that point. And what happened was there was a kind of evolution from all those wacky patent medicines, you know, um, some of them were, you know, clearly fraudulent that claimed to cure cholera and cancer and and everything, basically. Um, And some of them were just sort of, you know, like they aided digestion or things like Eno's fruit salts and uh, Beecham's manufactured a pill that was you know, essentially was made out of ginger and soap. And so, you know, it didn't do much good, but it didn't do any harm. And um, he, he was selling those lines. And then he realized that this was sort of the wave of the future, that everyone needed to feel better, you know, which we you know is in, nowadays has been taken to extremes. But he ended up buying some of these companies. And that was really the beginnings of, of the kind of real wealth that he had. And um, so he bought Eno's fruit salts for, I think it was 10 million back then. It would have been about 150 million in today's currency. And um, he, he realized that this was going to, that this was going to shift. And the thing about pharmaceuticals, both then and now is that they were relatively cheap to manufacture. And the, you know, the key was really marketing because a lot of these things, didn't do a lot. Um, you know, they would have kind of vague claims like purify the blood or something like that. Um, but he, he, the ones that he had were, you know, he, he realized that the fraudulent ones, you know, that's, you stay away from that, keep the, the ones that have some promise, but those companies evolved into the pharmaceutical company. So Beecham became a pharmaceutical company and, uh, Glaxo, which was a milk additive back in the 19th century became, Glaxo, uh, Smith Klein, and on their website they actually recognize Harold Ritchie as being the sort of distant ancestor uh, of that giant pharmaceutical company, which is, of course, worth billions at this point. So I think that's where he was headed. That's that's remarkable. I mean, some of the points that that resonated with what you just said, you know, ethical products don't align yourself with something that isn't. So he, he had the uh, integrity to do that, and he expanded the markets, really by listening to the needs of his customer and serving them, and it got bigger and bigger, and that's when you say his, his wealth really, really took off. What a remarkable uh, uh, story, Carlo Ritchie. 
Um, so, so, you know, Don, I'm sure our listeners would love to get a, a hold of your book or either reach out to, to contact you. What would the best way for the listeners to go about doing that is? How can they get a hold of you or your book? Uh, they can get a hold of me through my website, which is just uh, dongilmore.ca. Um, and uh, as far as the book goes, it's available on Amazon now, and it should be in bookstores uh, in the next week or so um, uh, across the country. So, um, you know, check with your local bookstore, and they can certainly order it if they don't have it in stock. That's tremendous. Once again, my, my special guest this, uh, this week, folks, has been a Don Gilmore, author in Toronto, Canada. Uh, the latest work of art is Carlo Ricci, the story of the world's greatest salesperson. Uh, Don, I want to thank you very much for your time and, and sharing your knowledge with our listeners today. Well, thank you, Ian. And thank you for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With Ian Selby.